It was the best of books. It was the worst of books. It was A Tale of Two Cities. Welcome back to Reading with Celebrities. I'm Lindsay. I'm Tiffany. And today and is our discussion on cities today. Yeah. Woo. Yay. Um, I think this is book number eight. I think it's eight. So I'd like to say this. Lindsay, you know this very famous saying. We are on the motherfucking home stretch. <laughs> Of Oprah's book club. Oh, we in the motherfucking homestretch. We have four books left. Mm-hmm. We are almost there. But today, it's about A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens. Yep. All right. Did, okay. did, you, do a, did you do a little bio on Charles or no? I did. Yeah. On him. Um, so... Good old Charlie. Good old Charles Dickens. Yeah, because we didn't do one for Great Expectations, so. No, this is is a new thing that I started. Yeah, we just started. Um, So he was born February 7th, 1812 in Portsmouth, England. So he recently celebrated a birthday. You know, if you were here. Um, And he died June 9th, 1870 at 58 years old in Kent, England. Well, after working on his final novel, The Mystery of Edwin Drood. So, um, you know, like I said, born early 1800s. At 12, he had dropped out of school to work because his father was sent to debtor's prison. So, you know, even dropping out of school and not really having that schooling, which wasn't too uncommon at that time. He's considered one of the greatest authors of Victorian literature. Um, In 1836, he began publishing the Pickwick Papers and soon afterwards became internationally uh, renowned and regarded as a great author. Uh, I think we mentioned this in Great Expectations, but I can't remember. But most of his novels were published in parts. Um, so like weekly you would go, you know, you'd go get the next part. Um, he was known he was known to leave things on cliffhanger, so it really kept people coming back. Um, but And then eventually they were just compiled all together and published into their novel, like as we know it, their novels. Um, he is known for comically over-the-top characters, portrayal of the working class and working conditions, and he would also weave in current events and topics into his story. So I think it was really easy for people to connect with his characters and his stories because not only was it what they were living, but it was what was happening around them in the world at the time. In 1836, he married his wife, Catherine. They had 10 children. And quite scandalously, they separated in 1858 because he had fallen in love with an actress that was casted in a play he had written. He was 45 and she was 18. The extent of their relationship is kind of relatively unknown. A bunch of letters that they sent back and forth to each other were burned. There was a rumor that she had given birth to one of his children who had died as an infant. It's kind of one of those like gray areas, but they do know that he essentially divorced his wife to go because he was in love with this 18 year old. Um, and to this day, you can, if you wanted to, if you're, you know, find yourself walking around in London, you can go visit his grave in Westminster Ants at Westminster Abbey. Still there. Cool. So 
Um, some I, I feel like he's you know, like I said, internationally regarded. Most people know who he is. But some notable works, obviously, Great Expectations and A Tale of Two Cities. I mentioned Pickwick Papers. Uh, he also did A Christmas Carol and Oliver Twist. So, that's just a brief little little thing on him. Yeah. Did you um, did you have a source for this, or did you just pick random? They were. Uh, this was all from Wikipedia, and some of them, like you can go to where their, you know, their linkages and yeah. see the sources themselves. And I kind of went down a rabbit hole about the actress mm-hmm. that he was uh, in love with. Her name was Ellen, but most of that was just kind of like he one day just randomly started built this fire and was burning all these like letters and personal correspondence that he had written um, and only saved things like bills or, you know, like financial documents that he needed to keep. And so like, it's known that they, they had this relationship, but nobody really knows like how far it extended because Mm -hmm. she did the same thing. So that was pretty interesting. Um, And like I said, they had a picture, I saw a picture of his grave and it's just a, like, like a gravestone, but that was pretty cool. Yeah. Okay. It's always wild when you can, you know, somebody who yeah. lived that long ago, you can go and see them. Yeah. Um, so, you listened to the novel. Yes. I read the book. Um, I think it, I actually enjoyed it. I liked it way better than Great Expectations. Um. I found the characters likable. I found them, like, they had depth to them. Um, I think one of our biggest things was in Great Expectations, there was no, like, character growth or anything with Pip whatsoever. Pip Pip was so boring compared to what we had going on here in A Tale of Two Cities. And I just, I liked how with every single character that we met, because you would get to another chapter and you'd meet this set of characters and you're like, okay, whatever. Those characters are going to be important till the very end. Like, mm-hmm. these characters that are in part one that you're like, oh, okay, cool. You're like, oh, they're very important. One of them, whom I thought was a lovable character, turned out to be pretty evil, indeed. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, again... This book was written in the 1800s. If you haven't read it, this we will have spoiler alerts. But again, the book yeah, written, yeah, <laughs> it is what it is. That's the whole point of our book club is to talk about it. So, um, do you want to start with kind of a brief? We'll start kind of going through. It was broken up in three parts, yes, or three books. Um, and we kind of talk about each part. So I think I think the. It seemed like the majority, like book one was rather short compared to Bork, book two and Bork, Bork yeah. book two and three. Mm-hmm. But um, I think one of the main things to recognize is that this book jumps back and forth between Paris and London, obviously a tale yes. of two cities. But yes. Um, so in book one, we're in London and a coach is flagged down and we find out that a man who'd been in prison in Bastille for 18 years, Dr. Manette, has been released. His daughter Lucy was given the news and she faints because she had just assumed her father was dead. She's taken to Paris where they are reunited, but Dr. Manette is just obsessively making shoes while living with the Defarge family. 
and then they're reunited and they return to London together. And that's kind of that's kind of all of book one. Yeah, and so the characters that you kind of meet in book one meet Dr. Manette, his daughter Lucy, um, you meet Jory, because mm-hmm. he's the one riding with them on the coach. Um, and he works at the bank that he was the one that told her the news. And then you meet the how did you pronounce them? The Defargs? I told him the Defarge. Okay. And um, they own a wine shop, and he was living in one of their rooms there. Um, all of these characters are pretty important throughout, mm-hmm. and we will learn more. So that's kind of where, yeah, she finds out her dad's still alive, and she takes him back to London. And I think, I think, I would mostly agree with what you, like, and I mentioned this before we started recording, that, like, even more so when I was like like typing this summary up, there like I realized I was like this is such a good story. I just don't like the way Charles Dickens writes. Yes. But like there were there were still scenes that were sticking out in my head like when they're I think it's in book one where they talk about all the wine that all the glasses that had broken and so there was like wine running through the streets, and all the people running out to like soak up the wine and get like cups yeah. and like like that to me was a very memorable scene it whereas in great expectations I'm like I can remember when he meets Miss Havisham and that's about it like yeah no I just you you really like these characters um I mean even Jory that's his name Jory right or is it Lori <laughs> Jory like, even he's a very prominent character throughout. Like, you just think at first he's the one that just brings him back on this carriage to ride back to London, but he actually becomes a really good friend and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at this point, we don't know what, what Dr. Manette did, why he was imprisoned, how he knows the Defarge. Like, we don't know. We don't know any of that. We just know that he's re- released. Lucy is excited yeah. that he's alive, and they're heading back to London together. Yes. So then we have book two, which is set five years later, so around 1780-ish. And it opens up, and there's Frenchman Charles Darnay is on trial for treason in London. He is acquitted after his lawyer discounts eyewitness testimony from two British spies by stating that Darnay looks very similar to Sidney Carton, and Carton is a fellow lawyer slash barrister, as they say in London. Yeah, he's um, so Striver is Darnay's lawyer, and Carton's basically like his like second. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's funny again is three of the eyewitnesses that say that we saw him on this train to London or this coach were Dr. Manette, Lucy, and uh, Jory. Mm-hmm. So they're all there to testify actually against Charles Darnay. But his lawyer's driver's like, huh, he kind of looks like Carton, does he not? Um, And again, this is actually a really important thing that you don't think of until the very end, but it's actually a really important thing. Um, And so he is found not guilty. And yeah, so that's, again, kind of where that's all at with with the trial. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of, um, ah, I lost what I was going to say. Oh, I can't remember what I was going to say. All right. Good oh. talk. Oh. It, okay, so it is Mr. Laurie. Sorry. Okay, yeah. I think it's Jarvis Laurie. 
I, I mean, we can, we can call him Jory. Like, that's... I think I was putting them together. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Just okay. calm down. Okay, sorry. Go on. All right. Um, and so after that has occurred, we jump back to Paris. Um, well, there... Never mind. Yeah, sorry. There's Because there's Jerry Cruncher and then there's Jarvis Laurie. So you probably were just confusing Jerry and Jory. Maybe. Anyways, anyways, we jump back to Perry, um, where we first meet the Marquis Saint-Evermond. Um, I'm just going to be saying Marquis. He's also referred to as Monsignor or Monsieur. Marquis is easiest for me to say. Um, he is, you know, driving through the city and starts to demand that his carriage driver drives way too fast and reckless through the streets they end up hitting a child and the child dies. Um, then the Marquis, you know, compensates the grieving father, Gaspard, by tossing a coin at him. He gets back into the carriage and drives on. So the Marquis is just like, he's like hated all around. He's this horrible aristocrat. Like just, I think at one point he was like, I would run over every single one of these dogs in the city talking about like the peasants and mm-hmm. he's just a gross dude. Um, after arriving at his country home, we meet his nephew, who hates his uncle and his family name so much because of how terrible they are. He has changed his name to Charles Darnay, the same man who was on trial for treason in London. Yes. Um, so, you know, do 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 they kind of go back and forth where, you know, Charlie is very well disgusted at how his family you know, has handled their business, treats the other people who are, you know, poorer than them, all that. Um, You know, we don't get too much more of the Marquis because later that night, the father of the boy that he killed with his carriage sneaks into the country house and stabs and kills him. Uh, He's able to hide for some time, but Gaspard, the father, is eventually caught and hanged. Yeah. um, At first, I didn't like know where that storyline was going but again you learn more about this family mm-hmm. again in book three and then you understand more about why charles changed his name mm-hmm. um and so you know during during their he's having dinner charles and the marquis charles is basically like listen I know, like, you don't like what I have to stand for, and you would throw me in jail the second that you get, and I don't want any, like, I don't want to inherit any land, I don't want any of that, but before he can be basically, like, written out of the will, um, the Marquis dies, and so all of that property and wealth goes to to Charlie, but he kind of just leaves it behind, like, he doesn't want anything to do with it, he's like, parcel it between the pet, like, you know, parcel it out to people who need it, I'm gone. And guess where he goes? Back to London. (laughs) (laughs) So we're jumping back to London now. Um, And we're jumping back to Sidney Carton is in love with Lucy Minette um, and tells her this. He professes his love for her, but then he realizes that she does not feel the same way and they could never get married. Meanwhile, Darnay is like, hey, Dr. Minette, can I marry Lucy? And he's like, sure. Um, And then the day they are to wed, Darnay reveals his true name to Dr. Manette. And Dr. Manette just, you know, when we we first meet him, he's just like obsessively making shoes at the Defrage's place. Um, 
for whatever reason, this reveal just sends him spiraling back into that. And he starts making shoes again. But then soon afterwards, he's better. And by the honeymoon, like, Lucy doesn't even know what happens, basically. Yeah. Um, Mr. Lori um, and Miss Prose, who works for, basically, Lucy, they keep it to themselves. They they keep a watch on him until he, um, like, stops in that, like, he's, like, in a trance-like state of mind. Um. Darnay and Lucy are married, and then they have two children, a son who died as an infant, and a daughter, also named Lucy. And I just kept calling her Little Lucy the entire time. Yes. In my head and all that. Um, didn't, didn't, didn't Anna Karenina, wasn't her daughter Little Anna? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to rename my kid. Yeah. Hey, little Lindsay. No, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that kind of wraps up back again in our London storyline and we go back to France again. We yeah. make another jump. Um, in France, the French Revolution has begun. Um, the storming of Bastille, the Marquis country estate is burned to the ground. Just the general slaughtering of the elites and the aristocrats. Um, I mean, even like at the Defarges, like wine place, like they... Um, release like seven prisoners and kill like seven guards. Yeah. Like they have a big part in this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They, um, and there's even a scene where they, when they're in Bastille, they find Dr. Manette's old cell and they start digging through it, um, which becomes very important later on again. Yes. You know, this one I felt like, I felt like with great expectations, everything that happened, like it didn't matter. Like none of it, like none of it led to something further down the road. Mm hmm with this one kind of yeah. even in even in general like there were chunks of the story that I was just like this is boring but there are, there were key things that you had to know in order mm -hmm. to see the reveals at the end yeah I think I think if you reread this book it would be easier to now catch these things and see how important they actually are mm -hmm. um and stuff like that um so like this one I would definitely be more willing to reread. I, I don't think I would touch great expectations again. No, I actually, I actually feel like this would make a really good like mini series mm -hmm. because it does jump back and forth. Like it'd be very easy to, yeah. To break this, like to adapt this a little bit better. Exactly. Um, um So then uh, Charlie receives a letter from one of his uncle's friend asking for help he's been in, he's been jailed so he's saying hey man you're you know like you're you need help um so charlie quietly heads back to paris which starts book three which is just a shit show throughout it, like this i feel like is where like just everything that could they say this everything, is the, everything comes together yeah. yes the climax happens in book three which is crazy because it's more than halfway through the book, but this is, yeah, this is where everything comes together. This is where all of those things at the beginning that you need to be listening for and reading about. This is why, because this is where the climax happens. Yeah. Um, so book three is in 1792 for the most, you know, all that and stuff. Um, Charlie arrives back in Paris and basically almost immediately captured and thrown in jail. Yeah. Just he because even, they're like, yeah. yeah. Uh, they jail like, him for being um, an immigrant, right? Yeah, like illegal immigration. He's like bonjour, and they're just like, you know, right, right. into right to jail. Yeah. Um. So, you know, Doctor Manette, Little Lucy, um, Miss Pros, all a bunch of them go to France in order to help release him because at this point, 
Dr. Manette having been in been in Bastille, like the big, you know, big bad prison for 18 years and having been released, he's kind of this this figure for the people of, you know, you you survived persecution, like you like they hold him up as this yeah. this good figure. Like they're willing to listen to him. Yeah, they respect him. They like they're like, oh the doctor. Yeah. The doctor. Um, a few months goes by, Charlie's trial begins, and Dr. Manette testifies on his behalf, which results in Darnay being released. Um, he's terrible at staying free because he's arrested again later that day. Yeah, like, they can't even pack up their things to, like, get ready to leave, to head back to London, and he's arrested again. Um, yeah, and apparently this is because the Defarges have provided some new information um, and at his retrial is when we discover why Dr. Manette was thrown into thrown into Bastille in the first place. Yeah. Um, so we had mentioned earlier that Charlie's uncle was the Marquis and he was horrible, you know, hated by people across the land. Um, so Darnay's father and uncle basically kidnapped and murdered a pregnant woman who was a peasant and then also killed her brother, her father and her husband just because they're horrible, gross people. Um, but like they asked for Dr. Manette's help mm -hmm. to like save them kind of like they bring him in. Cause like the brother is technically still alive at the moment. Um, and the sister is as well. And the brother's telling Dr. Manette, like, these people did this to us. Yeah. Um, uh, so Dr. Yeah, no, that's fine. Uh, Dr. Manette is basically horrified and writes a letter to the authorities to try to help bring some justice. Um, but the, the letter is intercepted by the brothers. And instead of, you know, trying to keep him quiet or anything, they just send him off to Bastille. They imprison him instead. Um. So the Defarges had discovered all of this information during the storming of Bastille. Um, they found Manette's journal in his old cell. And then we find out that Madame Defarge is the peasant woman's surviving sister. And she has held a grudge against the Evermonds, the Marquis' family, mm -hmm. ever since this happened. Um, and has like, just like sworn, she just hates the, like the whole French elite. She hates them all. That's why she was so big. Like they were so big on this revolution. Yep. Um, and then basically in Manette's writing, he's basically, it says to the effect of, um, like, I will never forgive Darnay's father and uncle. And I will never like, condemns like any of their descendants so charlie included um, but she did not know at the time he did not know that's why when he revealed his real name to him the day of the wedding he regressed so much because he was in shock yeah. um so you know that doesn't sit well with those on the jury so or the however the french trial works so he's you know sentenced to be executed by guillotine guillotine for him to be french um so now, yeah. Sorry, do you have anything to add? Well, I was just gonna say, like, so this time, like, he's n he's not acquitted. He is sent yeah. to death. Like, this letter, um, and it's again, it's coming from Dr. Manette, who they respect, and so they're like, well, if he's saying this, and then you have um, Madame Defarge saying this as well. Like, um, there's basically no hope for 
uh, mm -hmm. Charles Darnay, and he is sent to be executed within the few days or whatever. Yes. So now again, um, Madame Defarge has never forgiven about her sister and her family and all that. Um, and she was like, I'm going to go after Lucy and little Lucy as well. And as they're preparing to flee, Madame Defarge walks in with a gun and struggles with Miss Pross. And the gun goes off and Madame Defarge dies as a result. Yeah, Miss Miss Pross is distracting her, keeping her, her there longer so that Lucy and them can get on the carriage to go back to London. Like, she's getting them all going. Like, she's like, yeah. they got, they're all heading back to London because they know um, that that's the only way. But also, like, when all this is happening, um, Charles Darnay is in his cell. And um, Cart Cart Carton. Yeah, Sydney Carton. Yeah, Sydney Carton, who was the the one that looks like him in the beginning, why he's found acquitted. Yeah. Um, comes in and they basically switch places. Um, Sydney Carton sacrifices himself um, so that Darnay can escape. They change clothes, and he is able to go with Lucy and Dr. Manette and all of them back and um, instead Sydney Carton is killed. Yes, and the, the book ends with kind of Sydney's musings as he's basically put in the stocks and is waiting to, to be killed. And I know this story or this book, like it's well known for its opening. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times, like that thing. But yeah. I actually I actually thought um, like I like rereading the ending because as I was typing this up, um, mm -hmm. I reread like somebody typed up the bottom or the end of it. I actually thought that the ending's a little bit more profound than um, the beginning, and I feel like like that final line should be as well known as the first line. Um, I can read it. I have my book here if you want. Perfect. Um, it is a yeah. Yeah, okay. It is a far, far better thing that I do than I have never done. It is a far, far better re rest that I go to than I have ever known. So, that is the ending of A Tale of Two Cities. I just, I, for me, it was, you know, because Sydney, he professed his love, and then he was like, but we're never going to be together. Like, you're going to go with Charlie and all that, but so different from for example like love in the time of cholera where yeah. he just uh could never get over it he was just like you know what it is what it is i'm gonna go ahead and i'm gonna be just a good family friend to them i'm gonna help them out like he he showed his love to her in another way like a platonic way and this was this was like the greatest thing he could do for them no yeah i think like you said like this is his way of showing his love mm -hmm. for her like, yeah. he knew he was never going to be with her, but for her not to have the love of her life, this is what he's going to do. He's going to make it happen where she can have her family. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I agree. Like, I think I think I mentioned in um, my my little bio of Charles Dickens that he was known for, like, comically over the top characters and stuff and I think that's what's bothered like what bothers me the most about his writing is that like every like some of these characters are also just like oh my god and like 
that's just not what I enjoy like yeah reading um but like this this story is a very good story oh I I actually enjoyed this like I was like okay if like I'm glad that this random will like if it was going to give us great expectations then it had better give us tale of two cities then as well because I would have been so mad if we would have only read great expectations and I would have just had a bitter taste in my mouth of Charles Dickens yeah and now after reading this one and the story was just so much better the characters were so well developed they just I don't know like I didn't even want Cindy Carton to die. I was like, how, how do we get him to? We got to save him. I know. We got to figure this out. And how was I, at the beginning of this, like, all we ever knew about Madame Defarge was that she was knitting. All she does is knit and mind her business. This woman was pure evil. I get it. Yeah. She had some revenge on a family. But at one point, yeah, I, I was think like. The, the revenge definitely, like, I get the whole, like, I want to go after Charlie. Like, yeah. I want to go after him. Mm-hmm. But the, but especially the minute that she was like, yep. you know, Dr. Manette's my good friend. Sorry, I'm still going after your daughter and your granddaughter. Like, that was, that yeah. was crossing the she, she did the insanity point. line. So while um, Darnay was in prison, Lucy would go stand at a particular place every day at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so that Charlie could see her um, every day or he would try to see her. And um, there was a man there that would saw wood every day. So he noticed her and talked to her. Well, he like told Madame Defarge mm-hmm. about this because she was like, oh, what at what time? And she comes every day. You'll promise that she's like she was trying to stalk her to find out where she would be so that she could end this. Yeah. Um, it would like. Again, I think I would like to see, because we talked about, like, the different, like, Anna Karenina was so thick and so detailed, like, how difficult that would be to really translate to to TV or movies. I feel like this is a book that would be very easily translated to a very, very good miniseries. Like, I feel like, I feel like with the whole, like, twist of why Dr. Manette was in jail and who Charlie really is and um, Sydney coming at the end like it would it would make a good like Like it would it would be a this is this should be taught in schools over great expectations I think I think they're both taught in schools because I think I was supposed to read both of them (laughs) like I'm pretty sure they were both taught in schools again I don't know what year or whatever but like because I'm just thinking like you know a cliffhanger for an episode like when um charlie's going to paris and then all of a sudden he's getting arrested like mm-hmm. what a great way to end that episode and you're like what the hell like that would be so good um oh my god what's her name oh kira knightley could easily play lucy <laughs> she she can play yeah. a great she could play a great time piece we know but that she, she played anna and exactly <laughs> she would one. play a great time piece it'd yeah. be great um so yeah, I think I think I would enjoy like if they came out with a mini series or if there is something, I think it would be enjoyable. I looked and I think there was one in the, done in the eighties that was okay. supposed to be pretty good. Um, I'm just thinking now like like one of the things with Downton Abbey and then something um, that I've heard mentioned about the Gilded Age, which is done by the same people who did Downton Abbey, is they did a really good job of 
making the like the background scenery fit the time period and I think that's kind of a like a newer trend in yeah. movie and TV and so I think like they would really be able to to nail that whole whole setting if they were to do it now. I've, I've uh, caught a few episodes of The Gilded Age. It's pretty good. That's what I've heard. I couldn't mom, get into I couldn't yeah. get into Downton Abbey, so. Oh, my mom's watching it fully right now, but I'll catch like an episode here or there. Um, so yeah, that one's that's pretty good. Um, so I just went on Goodreads for a five star and a one star. I will say it was very difficult to find a one star, so I think that should tell you maybe a little something. Um, let me before I read those. Um, Let's see, just so we have, this is all from Goodreads. Um, it has a 3.86 average rating with over 869,000 ratings and over 19,000 reviews. Dang. So it definitely is a well-known um, book. Let me, I'll read the one star first um for the sake of my friends my sanity and the fact that i really don't want to have to write a detailed review for a book that i'm not invested in i'm announcing this as my first dnf of 2021 at around 248 i tried i didn't conquer but honestly i'm okay with that as i'm unsure there will be many other books i will enjoy more this year i don't want to continue on with this book in in case it should drag me down into a swirling vortex of reading slump when I'm one of the best reading moods yet. Um, as Simon Cowell would say, it's a no for me. Huh. So that was the first one star I saw. And I, I don't know that you should rate a book if you didn't finish it, but that's just my opinion. I don't know. But, okay. Yeah, I, my, I struggle with Goodreads because they don't let you do half stars. Yeah. Um, or, you know, like, let you just type in in general what you would put it or whatever because yeah. um, for me again like this this story to me is like high three low four out of five for me like I really like the story is very good oh, yeah. yeah but again I, I struggle with like like how Charles Dickens writes and like how he writes some characters and like the exaggerated things of it and with his writing like Sometimes I would finish a chapter and kind of have to, like, read a summary of that chapter mm. to make sure I understood what happened. Like, okay, I, because, like, like you said, like, some of it was, like, unnecessary. Like, we didn't have to put all of that in to get to this juicy yeah. plot of it. I did, like I said, though, I did have some, some scenes that really stuck out with me. Like, one, um, it was, it was for Charlie's first, very first trial in London, um, mm -hmm where was talking about, um, oh my God, was it his first trial? Oh, that's horrible that I can't remember. But it was basically talking about how, yeah, because he had been acquitted, how like crazy it was that he had been acquitted when everybody wanted his, wanted his head gone. Like, you know, they were like yeah. treason, you know, and it was talking about how like kids who put their head on their pillow didn't want him to do it. Like kids, like, like, you know, people out in the streets and like, so like there were scenes that stuck out in my mind as being well-written. It's just, I think in general, his writing style is, is not what I enjoy. Yeah. Um, okay. So here's a five star. 
Um, one of the greatest novels ever written. I've never seen a ranking that didn't include this novel. If you have ever wondered what it was like to live through the French Revolution, then read this novel. Through Dickens' words, you feel the anger, the hopelessness, the insecurity, and most of all, the fear that enveloped everyone. It was a pleasure and a privilege to read this masterpiece. And then there was one more five-star um, that I saw that I, she just was like, excuse me while, while I'm crying over this masterpiece. I know I promised a review, but the truth is I'm at a loss of words. Who am I to talk about Dickens? Who am I to talk about a gut-wrenching, brilliant story that brings out the magnitude of human nature? Um, a Tale of Two Cities haunts me, follows me everywhere, and um, yeah, it follows me everywhere. And then it looks like she thanks two of her friends for getting her to read it. But um, yeah, I will say not all of his ratings on Goodreads were five stars, but it was very difficult to find a one and two star to do that. So um, and I don't know that it was that hard on Great, great Expectations. Not for me, at uh, least. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I I actually really enjoyed the story. Um, I was really worried after Great Expectations. Um, I, yeah, I think I think you're right. Like, God, Great Expectations is just so boring. Yeah, it was so boring, and I, just, I was really yeah. not looking forward to this one at all. No, I I definitely was not. Um, but I do think like like you said. It was the little details at the beginning that, again, if you did eventually want to re reread this, like, those things would click to your, like, this is why this is important. You mm -hmm. know this is coming. And, like, to have a climax of the book happen in the book three yeah. of it, like, so the later half, like, most climaxes of a book do not happen that late. And for it to happen like that, but to still make me want to keep reading and find out what happens, like, I was like, okay. Like, I started, like, you're just getting antsy of like it's because you felt so relieved when he was acquitted that I guess technically it was his second time, but his first time um, when he arrived in, in France um, and you're like, oh, finally relief. And they're like, just kidding. And then you just like when you start to learn the story about what happened to Dr. Manette and all of these things and like the Defarges and why there's so much hatred in this woman, like it just for it to all come together at the end. Mm -hmm. And for still Charlie Darnay to have this happy ending um, and not be punished for what his family did. Um, and just the sadness of Sidney Carton. Like, he's like, this is yeah. this is my love for her. Um, so, I don't know. He was just the sacrifice of that. Like, I felt like we didn't see these type of characters and this type of, like, depth in these characters and this love of these characters in Great Expectations. So... No, because like I said, I the only character in Great Expectations I really liked was Miss Havisham. And, you know, how little of her did we get? Yeah. It was so boring. Yeah. So, and and the whole book was focused on Pip. Like, this one, every chapter you were going to get a different character and you were going to learn about somebody. You just, you didn't know where you were going to be. And so, yeah. I mean, I mean, what? Book two goes London, Paris... London back to France like it just it bounces yeah back and forth and back and forth and back and forth oh yeah it was yeah so and you just I did not know where this story was gonna go I had no idea what the what the point of this story was I was like okay there she has her dad and 
<laughs> she's They're married dying. they have kids like <laughs> yeah what, what is this story and uh and then you find out and it's oh. great yeah we might be a little surprised when we do our top 12 rankings of oprah's book club yeah you might be a little shocked um but yeah i i don't know i i'm excited i felt <laughs> i just remember our struggle to talk about great expectations for our discussion for it we were just like what do we say and this one i was like oh I'm kind of excited. Yeah. Um, so what and was I was excited up? to. Oh, sorry. I was just and I was excited to see what you thought. Like I was really hoping that you kind of felt the same way that you were going to be like, oh, this was so terrible, Tiffany. I think it. I think it's again what it is like. Charles, like Charles Dickens himself, not for me. Yes. This story really, really liked it. Yes. Like it might be. It might be my one-off Charles Dickens where it's like, like I think. For me, it's like, it doesn't matter how great of a teacher you have, great expectations is going to suck. Like, if you have to read that in school, you're going to hate it. Yeah. If you get a really enthusiastic teacher to teach you A Tale of Two Cities, it'll yeah. be that class's favorite book. Like, I, you'll love it. Because it has it has the same twists and turns as, like, like any, like, you know, modern-day beach read th- thriller where you're saying. just like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. Like, as you, yeah, you know. If you, so I think if, if, you, if you had, like, a a very good enthusiastic teacher to kind of guide you through more of like the, like the down parts of Charles Dickens to get to the story. Like, yeah, you know, you'll love it. Yeah. Like you said, if they, if they did a modern day, like series, how they're doing like the Gilded Age of A Tale of Two Cities, I would be so on board. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, let's watch this. Let's review it. Like I would be so excited. All right, so out of five stars, what would you give this? Um, I think I have it in the three and a half, 3.75 to a four. Nice. I have it pretty high up there. I'm going to give it a solid three, just because, like I said, like the actual writing style isn't for yeah. me, but the, like, the story itself is yeah. very good. Yeah, I'm definitely probably, because like you said, his writing, I'm, I'm probably closer to the 3.75, mm-hmm. but again, Goodreads doesn't let you do that. This this would also be the book that for me, um, because I think when we talked about Great Expectations, it was just like, you know, not not every classic is going to be for like every person has a classic out there they like, but not every classic is gonna be the person. This would be, I think, the Charles Dickens for me, where it's like you tell somebody to read this and they could say, I didn't like it, but I understand why he why he was so popular or why he's considered like a classic author. Yeah. Oh. Uh, great. Hey. All right. Fun, well, fun, fun. Hopefully, everybody else enjoyed our discussion on Tell Two Cities. Um, our next book will be What Looks Like Crazy on an Ordinary Day by Pearl Cleage, I believe is how you pronounce it. Um, so, that'll be in probably in the next three to four weeks that we will um, do a discussion on that. Also, today is our 40th episode. Yeah. Yeah. So, Ooh. cool. At least we had a good book discussion for it. <laughs> I remember, I remember well, last week you were like, oh my God, our 40th episode is going to be Tale of Two Cities. And I was like, it's fine. <laughs> I know, I was going to be so sad about it, but I'm okay with it now. So yeah, happy um, 40th episode. We also hit 
over 700 followers on Instagram, so thank you. Um, our Instagram is at Reading with Celebs, and our Twitter is Reading W Celebs. Um, anything else, Lindsay? Nope, I think that's it. Cool. Um, then you can go give us a like, follow, rate, subscribe, all of those things, and we will see you next week. Happy reading. Bye, guys. Bye.